Father, thank you for your concern and your care for your children. God, we, we just hang right now on those words you said, that if you took care of the sparrows and the flowers, so much more you would take care of us, your children. And God, we feel that right now. Uh, we feel that we're not in desperation. We feel that you are just wrapping your arms around us and you're showing us that even though the whole world might be turned upside down, you've got us and you're caring for us and you're feeding us and our needs are being met. And God, we realize we are sustained by your love and your care. God, thank you for that. We give you glory and we give you praise this morning for being a loving father to your children. Lord, if there's any listening this morning that may not yet be your child, I pray that today their faith would be transferred to you and they become a part of your family and our family. God, thank you for caring for our families and in, in a more corporate sense, thank you for caring for Cornerstone and our church family. Lord, Pastor Elijah, our grace friends in Ohio, our grace friends over in Asia, God, thank you for your care for all of your children. Lord, continue to bless us. And God, I pray that you would inspire both staff members of these works and uh, laymen and women on how we can take the kingdom of God to our neighbor's house in the days to come. Father, show us how to do that. Lord, that your gospel might go forth to the ends of the world. That's our prayer. Bless us this morning as we open the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. I'm going to switch out with Pastor David. David, come on, come on man. Let me grab my iPad and, and a few notes that I have here this morning, and we'll pick our story up really, really where we left off last week. I hope you've been challenged by this series. Uh, it is a challenging series because we're talking these things out loud because even for you and I, it's a paradigm shift away from the theological training that we received at our traditionally Baptist uh, schools. Uh, we still believe what we believe, Absolutely. but this understanding of um, yeah, changing the emphasis a little bit on what the story is all about. You and I believe in heaven. Absolutely. We believe in hell. Absolutely. We believe in Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Absolutely, we do. But we're understanding differently now yeah. what God, I guess the, the macro, the big right. picture right. of what God was doing and what he was saying to us. And last week, we really journey through the Old Testament. Yeah. We need to back up just a little bit to yeah. grab that, kind of hitch the trailer back up yeah. to pull everyone forward into yeah. where we want to go, the New Testament this morning. But the Old Testament, we saw that there was this consistent theme of God's presence touching the earth. Uh, he set up Eden as a temple. It's not just a garden where some right. you can get a carrot. It's not what it's about. It's a right. temple. And that's the imagery that the, the words are describing. Yeah. It's a place where, again, let's talk about this. God's domain touches man's domain. Yeah. God's sphere touches man's sphere. Yeah. They intersect, and we call that a temple. Right. Uh, and in Eden, it was literally heaven on earth. Right. God and man, like this. Yeah. Communicating, fellowshipping. Sin's not an issue. Nope. Uh, righteousness is every, the glory of God penetrates and permeates everything. Yeah. The humans are living images yes. of God. Not just statues, living, breathing not, images. Not idols, living images. Yeah. 
angled mirrors reflecting who God is to a a material creation Mm -hmm. and reflecting praise and worship and glory back to their creator God. And then, quickly, the humans rebelled against God. Heaven and earth are torn apart. The humans are banished from the temple, from the Garden of Eden. And what you read then in really Genesis, end of three, four, five, six, humanity degrades, civilizations expand, but with godlessness. That's right. In rebellion against God. Not on his terms. You get the the flood and a restart. You get the Tower of of Babel and the Babylonian uh, civilization, the, the, the ancient civilizations rising up. God confounding the languages. God working through a family. Mm-hmm. God says, I'm not done with the human project, even yeah. though it's it's really turned in a bad way. Yeah. I'm not going to give up on what I planned and what I did. And he pursues humanity through a family. Yeah. And that family was uh, Abraham's family. Mm-hmm. And he made a covenant with Abraham, said, I'm going to give you this land, and I'm going to use your family in a unique way to bless all the nations of the right. earth. Not just the Jewish nation, which you're going to father, yeah. but your family will bless every nation through the Messiah that I'm going to send, is, is what we're saying. So, right. uh, And that's really the story of, of, of Genesis. And there were, through the, through the book of Genesis, God did really unexpected things, showed up in unexpected places and did unexpected things, connected with people like we talked about Jacob last week, we'll talk about a little more this week. And even later in the story too, not just in Genesis, but also on into the Exodus story. Okay. Uh, we have the tabernacle being set Well, even, up. even the burning bush where oh, he yeah, meets with Moses. Right yeah. and, mm-hmm. But when the tabernacle and temple later, yeah. but let's use tabernacle for a while, that mobile hotspot. Yeah. And then Solomon then would build the permanent temple in Jerusalem. Um, those two things, the tabernacle and temple, really were like visible um, buildings, uh, places yeah. where you could say that stands for the glory of God. Yeah. Heaven touches earth right here. See right. the fire. Yeah. God's presence is there. Yeah. And it was a little bit scary and a little bit Kept, awesome. Right. And really cool, and they knew that God's presence was among them, right? And and that's what those uh, those stood for. And then then it really the the narrative of the rest of the Old Testament. I mean, you've got history books and poetry books, yeah. and but the latter part of the Old Testament, I mean, really a big chunk of it, yeah. is prophecy. The, the prophets yeah. are speaking. Yeah, and we and we touched on them last week a little bit to talk about like what what their role was, what their function was, and, and what they bring about. They don't just yell and rage all the time. Uh, they provided hope by giving us a promise of the Messiah that would be to come. Um, but they did rage and yell a little bit. A little bit. Well, and, and some of the language is sometimes hard for us to understand yeah. because are they speaking in poetry or apocalypse style right. or... It's all kind of mixed Are up. Are they talking to their time period or to our time period? Time period or, or yeah. it, it, it can be kind of difficult to, to grasp and, and understand a little bit. But it's not all bad news. No, it's not all bad news. But there certainly was a revealing about how Israel was handling their business in these days. Okay. Um, the, the prophets dealt with kind of the main issue, kind of the core of all of humanity, not just Israel in general, but, but specifically to Israel. They're dealing with the problem of idolatry. So what you're saying is 
man's kind of like that arch sin. Right. Is idolatry. I like that, that phrase, arch sin, yeah. Because when Adam and Eve said, we're going to rebel against God, really they were making, we will be God. Yeah. Which is idolatry. Taking God's, God's prime okay. position, his being the first place in your life, and replacing it with something or someone else. Whether it's self or yes. this graven image. Right. And really that idolatry then permeates all of human culture. Yeah. Even to this hour. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So now that's what the prophets are trying to speak to is this idolatry problem that at this point now is Israel's problem. Right. Okay. And, and it's not supposed to be that way. They're supposed to be linked to the one God, but even still, they find themselves uh, falling into the same trap over and over again. And Jeremiah actually gives us a great picture in Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 8 through 13. We're in the God's Word translation. It says this, The priest didn't ask, Where is the Lord? Those who deal with my teachings didn't know me. The rulers rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied in the name of Baal, which is a false god, mm -hmm. and followed statues that couldn't help them. That is why I am bringing charges against you, declares the Lord. And I am bringing charges against your grandchildren. Go over to the coast of Cyprus and see. Send someone to, to Kedar, Kedar and observe closely. See if there has been, ever been anything like this. Has any nation ever exchanged gods? Their gods aren't really gods. Yet my people have exchanged their glory for something that doesn't help them. Be horrified over this heaven. Be terribly afraid, declares the Lord. My people have done two things wrong. They have abandoned me, the fountain of life-giving water. They have also dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that can't hold water. And this is quite a picture of, of what Israel has come to at this you point. You had the real God. Right. And you traded him for a dumb idol. Yeah. Who has ever heard of something so stupid? That's really what Jeremiah is saying. As we're saying, go all over the earth. Go to Cyprus, go to Qatar. You're not going to see this anywhere. Why would somebody do this? But it's it's almost like it's a part of our fallen DNA now yeah. that, that we are prone, we're just predisposed to idolatry yeah. unless something right. changes in our heart. Yeah. Uh, you, you were using some language with me when we were preparing that you saw the prophets really as as God as a way to change the thinking of Israel. Yes, and and so they use language that really stirs your mind, that kind of breaks up your mental maps, that changes your ways of thinking. Uh, you've used the word paradigm over and over again. That's exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to shake up the the same familiar things we've heard over and over again. Say it in a new way so that we can see God and 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 come back to him in in the correct way. They're trying to shake up our thinking because they understood like we do that ideas don't just remain in your head. They lead to something. They always lead to something. And if you're set out um to to not follow God, then that's going to lead somewhere right. logically. There's going to be some action that comes out of this and and that's exactly what we see with the Israelites. They they exchange God's glory and and then they didn't just let that sit there. They went and dug their own cisterns. They forfeited the life-giving water, and then they went and dug their own wells. Like is probably another way to say it. Yeah. Uh, we don't, may not know what yeah. a cistern is, but yeah. they went and dug their own wells in order to replace yeah. what they were finding in God. And, and, and actually, and it's really not about wells. He's just saying, yes, you had living water, right? And you exchanged it for a cup that has no bottom in it. Yeah, it's it, worthless. It's no dues and does nothing for yes. you. Yes, yes. And I, I I'm, I'm. You had God in your right. midst, and you forsook me to go after something that was just, it doesn't profit you, help you. That's right. It only degenerates society. And so the prophet said shocking things. Yeah. 
and did shocking things yes. in order to kind of shake the people and say, come back to God. Right. That's the whole point. That's come point. back to God. Because God's not done with us. Absolutely not. Listen, even if you wake up and say, wow, for the last 10 years I really haven't pursued God. Even though we maybe have left God, God's not left us. Right. He still wants a relationship with us, and he's pursuing Israel. And it's why he put things in their midst like the tabernacle and the temple, because he's wanting to dwell among his people. But the problem is that through all this idolatry and through all of this, the things that the Israelites were doing wrong, is because they've exchanged God for for this stuff, the temple just becomes like about manipulating God. It just becomes about, um, you've used the phrase... it's a rabbit's foot. Or, or I've got this charm. genie's a lamp. It's right. God lives in here. Let's call it the temple. Yeah. And if I rub it right, but to right. them it's like, if I bring a lamb uh-huh. and, and dress a certain right, way yeah. and sacrifice right, you know, it's like rubbing the genie body. Poof. God will. God has to. God has to bless Israel. Right. And it's like you're manipulating God. Right. But let's don't get too upset with the Jews because we do this all we the do time. We do the same thing. Christians are like... We do it through prayer a lot. (laughs) God, here's what I want, and I'm going to beat you down and try to manipulate you to get you to do what I want me to do. We do that in prayer all the time, and that's why Jesus taught us to pray differently. Father, your will will be done, not my will. Exactly. And and the prophets just over and over again talk about how God doesn't want your your actions. He wants your heart. He wants you to be connected in relationship to him. And if you're not, you're missing the whole point of the temple and my presence and all of it. And they keep warning that God yeah. is going to discipline his people. He's going to send you into exile. And he did. Don't, he did. And, and what happens is Assyria uh, and then later on Babylon come yeah. and conquer the northern and then yep. the southern tribes yep. and carry them off into exile. Um, and you can find these stories in Daniel and Jeremiah. Yep. Late later. 500s yep. B.C., right? Yep. And, and, but God, you said it again earlier. God didn't forsake his people, though. Just because they were in exile and they were being disciplined by God at this, po- at this point, it's not as though he had left them. And in fact, what he does is he brings them later on in the story out of their exile, yeah. brings them back to their yeah. homeland, their promised land in Jerusalem, through Nehemiah and Ezra, and they restore the temple that was destroyed at one point. And the people then don't ever want to be exiled again. So they, they say, okay, we're going, we're going to stringently follow God's commands. We're going to, to look at the Levitical codes, and we're going to do them to the T. Yeah. We're going to cross every T, dot every I, and do them perfectly because we never want to get taken out of our promised land again. But what happens through that kind of rigid system that they set back up through the time of the, the end of the Old Testament to the New Testament is we, we set up a hyper-legalism. Um, Jesus says... They really missed the relationship right. part and focused on the rule-keeping part. Yes. And religion just became, again, it's a rabbit's foot. If I keep yeah. these rules, yeah. then God must do this. Right. And through the writings of the prophets, they, they began to view the Messiah less as a relational bridge and more as a political figure who would come back and reinstate Israel's glory days that we saw with Solomon and David. You're going to make Israel a great nation right. among the nations. Right. Israel's going to be it. Yeah. We're going to be all that because we have this king, this political leader, going to set it back up. It's going to make it all right. Yeah. And making it right to them meant making Israel number one right. among the nations. Right. That's it. Uh, well, let's transition to the yep. New Testament then, because certainly with that mindset, you're going to make Israel the greatest nation, big political leader, big political yeah. shift. I can definitely tell you as I've read it, no one was looking for a poor carpenter from <laughs> Nazareth. Right. 
to be that person who was going to bring in this massive shift in the history of the world. Yeah. And so when a poor carpenter from a peasant family starts proclaiming a message about the kingdom of heaven. Who's this guy? Exactly. No one was expecting yeah. a, a suffering Messiah. Yeah. The, the, uh, the writers of the Gospels, which were the apostles, mm -hmm. well, Mark, Mark's not, but Ma Matthew and Mar Luke, Luke, disciples, let's use those apostles, <laughs> the disciples who wrote the Gospels, these people who were eyewitnesses, even they didn't see a suffering no, Messiah until moment. after. That's right. Hindsight was twenty twenty. They looked back and said, oh, I get it now. Right. That's Isaiah 53 coming to fulfillment. That's Psalm 22 yeah. coming to fulfillment. But nobody could see it beforehand. No. A peasant carpenter who was going to suffer and die in humiliation. Does not fit the bill. Does not fit the formula in a in a first century Jewish yeah. thinking yeah. of the Messiah who's going to restore Israel to greatness right. and, and as God's king who's going to set it all right. So what's being introduced in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, what's being introduced is Jesus as God's hotspot. Hmm. Let me say it another way. Jesus as God's temple. Hmm. That's what's being introduced now. Temple is a building to them, but right. now what's being introduced is Jesus as God's temple. Now, if you're new to Christianity, when the New Testament opens, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we call those the Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels, uh, th these Gospels are really biographies. Mm -hmm. They're the life story of, of Jesus of Nazareth. And uh, uh, Matthew and Luke in particular talk about his birth, but they all deal with his Life and life, death right. and resurrection, yeah. and they tell the story of Jesus. And the narratives reveal, because now they're being written you know, 30, 40, 50 right. years after the resurrection of Jesus, and they're looking back at all the experience, and they're like, it's crystal clear in hindsight that this Jesus was exactly who he claimed to be. Yeah. He was the Messiah that the world was looking for, Israel in particular. He is an heir of David. He is of royal lineage. Yeah. He is the king that Israel looked for. More importantly, he's God's king. Yeah. And he's God in a human body yeah. and therefore is a, by definition, temple. Yeah. Heaven and earth have met in right. this man. And so when John opens John's gospel, this is the language he starts to use. Let me reread John chapter 1, verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Mm -hmm. The Word is a way of saying God. Mm -hmm. God became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen His glory. So, no, what John's clearly saying is yeah. we've seen the glory of God in a human person. Yeah. We saw His glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Last week we talked about Jacob's story, yeah. where Jacob slept, rock for his pillow, and a portal was opened, right. and heaven was right there. Yeah. And there was a connection between heaven and earth in his dream. Yeah. Not a ladder. It was a grand <laughs> ballroom staircase. Right. Palace, temple staircase. Yeah. yeah that connected heaven and earth, and the portal was open so that you could see the connection. Yeah. 
And the angels are moving up and down on the staircase, coming and going between God's domain and man's domain. The angels move freely through the portal between heaven and earth. Now, if you want more information, you have to listen to the angel series we did, but it's fascinating, this, this, this vision is. And, and when Jacob woke up, he said, God was here and I didn't know it. God was here all along. Right. Heaven is not far away. It's just in another dimension through the portal. And I just didn't realize how yeah. close heaven was and that God was pursuing a relationship with me, Abraham's descendant. And he named the place Bethel, yeah. Bethel, we say in English, right. the house of God. Now, when Jesus starts his ministry in John, John's already said, this is God in the flesh. Mm-hmm. We behold the glory of God in a human body. He's a living temple of God. Yeah. Then Jesus starts to call his disciples. And he calls Andrew, and Andrew finds Peter and brings him, mm-hmm. and, and he commissions Peter, and, uh, and Nathaniel and Philip are, are going to get in on this, and he's, he's pulling these disciples together. Something very interesting happens in John 1. When Jesus is speaking to Nathanael, watch this, John 1.49, Nathanael answered, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. Hmm. Now, evidently, Nathanael was alone, and he had been sleeping or something under a fig tree. And when he came to Jesus and they had a conversation, Jesus said, I saw you when you were there. And yeah. he's like, I was alone or whatever. Right. How did you know? You must be the son of God. So that's what's happening. Yeah. And Jesus is like, oh, that's, that's small potatoes, yeah. man. <laughs> you will see greater things than this. Watch this verse. Jesus said, truly I say to you, you will see heaven opened. The portal will open. Mm-hmm. And the angels of God will ascend and descend upon the Son of Man. Jesus is clearly hearkening back to yeah. Jacob. Yeah. And he's saying the same way the portal, because they all knew this story. Right. They're Abraham's kids. They, they knew the family story. Yeah. And, and Jesus is like, the portal's going to open, and you're going to see that I am God's, t- I am that staircase. Right. He said another way, I am that portal. Yeah. I am the connection between God and man. Yeah. Heaven and earth have connected right here, Nathaniel, because I'm standing in front of you, and I am God in a man's body. Now, this is mind-blowing <laughs> right. uh, language. Yeah. And, you know, we, you and I and, and this Jeremy and the staff, when we're discussing ideas, we always say, you have to hear a thing more than once. Yeah. You've got to hear it and study it and read it and pray over yeah. it and let the Holy Spirit speak to you before it becomes really solidified as a right. part of your thought process. When Jesus told them these things, I bet it was like... Oh, just, I'm sure I'm going to this time. Yeah. But the wonderful thing is if you keep reading those Gospels, he, he keeps over and over saying and over. it over and over and over <laughs> because he understands our, our thought process. And Jesus is saying, my body is the temple of God. Yeah. Now, that's very important for our study yeah. this morning. Jesus clearly said, my body is the temple of God. Heaven and earth connect in me. And, and when John's recording these things, he's writing the words of Jesus. Even John yeah. tattles on himself. Like writes a little aside. Yeah. Pauses the story to say, and we didn't even get it. Yeah, well, <laughs> let me read John 2, 21. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Yeah. 
When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus has spoken. John tattles on all of them. (laughs) And he's just like, he told us this. But at the time, it, it was, again... It was too shocking. It, it wasn't what we were expecting or looking for. Because when you say temple... It's a building. It's a building. Yeah. It has a big staircase yeah. and gold. We all know this. Altars, incense, right. candles. When you say temple, we think building. Yeah. That's human. That's, that's like programmed into... Even when we say church. What we don't necessarily think about people. We think about the place that the we building. go to. Yeah. So it's not just them, you know, these old ancient people who didn't get it, you know, it, it's us as well. Correct. They, they, they really struggled yeah. to grab the language that Jesus was saying until after, yeah. and then they would look back and then they, then they made their confession. We got it now. Yeah. And what was it that they got? What did they now really, these first century Christians really, conceive something now what was it yeah it's not just that god's in a building or he's somewhere up in the sky or that he's in all things like his his spirit's in a plant or a tree or whatever or in this idol or whatever instead they understood that god was wanting to dwell within people but it's not what they were looking for and that's why they totally missed what jesus was saying in john chapter 2 verses 18 through 20 so the jews said to him what sign do you show for us to do, uh, doing these things. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, in three days I will raise it up. I'll raise it up again. And they're like, what? Then they said, then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, yeah. and you're going to raise it in three days? So, so let's talk back. So Solomon built a temple. Yeah. They were invaded. It was destroyed. Yep. Ezra and Nehemiah came back. They tried to rebuild it. Obviously, and it was a shell of its former glory that Solomon built. And then over hundreds of years, it deteriorated. Right. And then Herod... Uh, rebuilt Herod's yeah. temple, which was the temple in Jesus' day was called Herod's temple, yes. or, or it was built by Herod. That's what we call it now. And it was built just, you know, this is the Herod that was just prior mm-hmm. to the birth of Christ. Right. So the temple was fresh. It was clean. Yeah. It was a new building. Yeah. And it was fantastic. Not Solomon fantastic. No, but still great. But it was still an awesome structure. Yeah. And they said, it took 46 years to build that. Yeah, what, what, what are you talking about destroy it in three days? And, and that's what they totally missed. And that's okay. what John t- tattles on. So help about. us again. Let's just say some people listening right now still don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Jesus said, destroy this temple. He's talking about his own body. Not that building. No, he's talking about himself. Talking about himself. He's talking about himself. And, he, and now what he's claiming is that, that the temple uh, where God and humanity meet together are happening in me. Right. It's me. It's my body. Right. And, so, and so what actually does happen later in so the story... you're coming to this building thinking you can connect with God right. just by walking in the building. Right. See, like the old the tabernacle and Solomon's temple had that pillar of fire. I mean, God... His presence was there. Literally yes. manifest his presence through fire and wind and whatever. Yes. And whatever. Yes. Okay. We don't really know about Herod's temple if that was true or not. Right. But the people were still coming to a building. Yeah, because that's what they were commanded to do and, and all that. And, and I'm going to connect with God and I must yeah. have a relationship with God because I'm standing on these rocks. Sure, and I'm doing a sacrifice. So and I lit work. a candle or I set a prayer or I, whatever. Yeah. Okay. And Jesus is saying, no. If you want to connect with God, you, you have start, to connect with me. You got to connect with me. Because now what's happening, where heaven and earth connect, is in my body. I'm the new temple. And if you're going to, so what he's talking, he's foreshadowing his own death. 
So what happens, in fact, is the Pharisees and the religious establishment, because they hate what he's saying about himself being the temple, is they kill him. And three days later, he does get raised. <laughs> Trying to prevent this from happening, right. they actually played right into the hand, according to the Absolutely. book of Acts, and, and helped become players in the story to make it happen. Yeah. So in his resurrection, he's like, see, I told you <laughs> I <told> so. <laughs> I am the living temple of Almighty yeah. God. Yeah. I am, uh, wow, truly human? Yeah. That's a great God, way to say it. Yet God. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is the question Andrew was asking. Was the resurrection of Christ maybe hearkening back to what more what Adam and Eve sure. were? And we think so. We think so. We think so. This is, this is true humanity. Because he, like they, were, were completely human. Connected to That's God right. in a relationship mm-hmm. without sin. Uh, still Jesus, but more so. Yeah, but... And we don't have it, great language I, for that. But in the resurrection, I'm going to be Bobby, but more so. I, right. I don't know what that looks like, but yeah. yes. So God shifted their understanding yeah. uh, that when you think temple, don't think building. Yeah. Think body. But but we you know we just think okay well he's the Messiah of course of course he's God's temple he's this super special thing what does that have to do with me? Well, it's true that though that he he did things that you would expect a temple to do. Like, like if I went to the temple, I would expect I could contact God, somebody might get healed, there would be worship. Right. And he embodied all of those yeah, things. Yeah, he did all those things. I mean, the signal is being sent loud oh, yeah. and clear. Absolutely. Um, so, as again, we, we transition because after the resurrection, the story now takes another dramatic turn. Yeah. So now we've got the resurrected Christ, and we're beginning to get, oh, He's the temple. Right. Okay. But now the story shifts even. So if that hurt their, if that, if that. Yeah, that wasn't enough. <laughs> yeah. Blew their minds. What's coming next is going to blow everybody's mind. Yeah. Because when we think temple, we think building. Yeah. And Jesus is saying, when you think temple, you need to think body. Yeah. And what happens next in the New, text, New Testament is you are God's temple. Yeah. We are God's temple. Yeah. You watching this morning become God's temple. Not only does God live in you, you are a mobile hotspot. Yeah. A place where his presence is and his will is supposed to be done. And if somebody wanted to connect with God, they wouldn't drive up to 7955 North Beach Street. Right. As if the building could connect them. And lay their hands on the building and say, (laughs) God, can you please manifest yourself to me? Which God might be able, I mean, let's don't limit God, sure. certainly God could do that. <laughs> but if somebody wanted to connect with God this week, yeah. all they would have to do is connect with you. Yeah. You are God's temple. Yeah. And if somebody reached out to you this week, you could share the God. You could give comfort. Mm-hmm. You could pray with them. You could minister to them. You could be a, well... A kingdom of priests. You could be a minister to them. This is exactly what the New Testament now is describing. And let me me show you how real this is. Um, And we all know that when when you know when Christianity really launched, Jesus said, "All right, I want you believers Mm -hmm. to go to Jerusalem, but don't like I know I told you to go to the whole world, but not just wait just wait a few days, wait five minutes, okay? (laughs) Because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit that I promised in John, you know." 
15, 16, 17, I told you the Holy Spirit would come. He's, he's on his way now. Yeah. I'm leaving in bodily form. I'm coming in spirit form to inhabit every yeah. believer. Yeah. I'm going to come live in spirit form in every temple of God. Every believer yeah. is about to become a temple. And that's Acts chapter number 2. Yeah. Now, theologically, when people get to Acts chapter number 2, they always want to talk about speaking in tongues. Sure. or, or they, they, get, they, they, they miss... The forest for the trees. That's right. And those things are important. But, but that's not, not, not what the chapter's about. That's right. The chapter's about showing you this mind-blowing concept <laughs> yeah. that God... It was mind-blowing enough that Jesus is the temple of God. Yeah. But now Acts chapter 2 is about to show us that we are the temples of yeah. God. So here's what happens in Acts chapter 2. Let me read verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly the sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. Uh, it doesn't mean tongue at all. It means just the, a flame, a shape, yeah. the shape of a flame came and rested on top of every person visibly in the room. Now, that's really weird to us. Yeah. We've never seen that. Right. We probably will never see that. Yeah. It was a one-off event to show the people in that room that something dramatic was happening. Yeah. He's revealing himself in a way that they would have understood. Because when they go back to Sinai, yeah. when God met with man, the mountain quaked and was all on fire, the Bible yeah. says. Scared the bejeebers out of them. <laughs> when they built the tabernacle, mm. a pillar of fire came yes. down and inhabited yeah. the building. Uh, when Solomon built the temple, mm -hmm. let, let me read now. This Solomon built the permanent building yeah. in Jerusalem. They dedicated the service, had the dedication service. Mm -hmm. Here's 2 Chronicles 7 1. And as soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven. I mean, if you read the whole thing, they offered thousands of sacrifices. God's fire showed up. Yeah. So in the New Testament, when Jesus said, Terry, until I inhabit your bodies and you become living temples, this is really what he's saying, yeah. to show them that it had happened. Yeah. So they would be totally confident that they were now living temples of God. He said, I'm going to send the wind through the room. And I'm going to put the fire on top of every person. Just like I've done before. Just like, just like I've done over and presence, over again. When my presence shows up, it's wind and it's fire. And, and I'm going to show you yeah. that you, because we're sitting here this morning in America thinking, seriously, I'm the temple of God? Right. You know? Right. Uh, I'm, I'm a hot spot for people to find God? Yes, you are. Absolutely. And that their thinking was undergoing such a dramatic shift that they needed these visible signs yeah. to really grasp it. Yeah. And they got it. Yeah. They're, the thinking of the early Christians, first century Christians, yeah. was in some ways advanced beyond where we are <laughs> because they understood they were temples yeah. of the living God. That's right. His presence had filled this new temple. It is not a building. It is a body. The new temple is the bodies of the followers of Jesus. Yeah. And that remains in play to this hour. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And, and, Paul, and Paul talks about it, and Peter talks about it. There's, there's one striking passage in, in Acts chapter 17 where Paul is, is debating with the great thinkers of Athens, yeah. uh, the great Grecian thinkers. And uh, how do you say it? Aeropagus? Aeropagus? Uh, yeah. However we say it. Mars Hill. <laughs> okay, Mars Hill yeah. 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 And he said to them, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Wow, just look at the words. Heaven and earth, yeah. temples, all right there strung together. And so he's saying to those guys, God doesn't live in a building. You think temple, right. you think building. Get rid of that. Switch your thinking. Yes. Temple is body now. Yeah. In this era, temple is his body. God doesn't live in a building made with human hands. God lives in a body yeah. of a human being. And that's true both individually mm-hmm. and collectively right. as the church. That's right. We are called the body of, of Christ. Yeah. So we are individually temples of God. But I'm not the whole thing. Collectively, that's right. we all together become a holy body, a holy temple of of God. Paul talked about this in Ephesians. Mm -hmm. Let me read Ephesians 2. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, Mm -hmm. family language. You are built on the foundation of the apostle. Now, suddenly switches the metaphor to you're a building, but not a building. Right. It's metaphorically, yes. together we, we are built on the foundation of the apostles, Christ himself being the cornerstone, mm-hmm. in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. It just can't be clear. That's exactly what we are, and that's exactly what we're supposed to be. And when the church gets together... There are like these beautiful, clear pictures of our function as temples, where God's presence is so, I don't know, tangible. Powerfully among us. Absolutely. Like in the Lord's Supper. And this is what God promised in the breaking of bread. I am powerfully, special way present with you because you are acting out in, in the body by the breaking of bread and the drinking of the cup and the eating of the bread. You're going through those uh, symbols yeah. together as a body because you believe you are temples yeah. individually yeah. and you believe we are the temple corporately and in the breaking of the bread you're saying we are all one bread we are all one cup That's right. we are all one in Jesus Christ right. and I'm powerfully there <laughs> as God would put fire into the temple I am powerfully there with you yeah. whether we're baptizing or whether we're mm-hmm. worshiping corporately or when yeah. we're breaking bread, there's something special about a group yeah. of believers being together, acting out our temple function. Well, and I think, again, it goes back to that vocation idea where we become angled mirrors then again. Uh, it's not as though our whole lives aren't worship. It feels like Eden in, a, in that moment. There it is. It's this special It place. feels right. That's right. That's right. Where we're, where we're reflecting the praise both of God yeah. to the world and the world back to Him. I heard a lot of people special. say, like, when the worship's like... Uh, we're, we're singing and and people are praising God. I've heard some people say, "I wish that moment would never end." Right. Oh, you're gonna love what's coming. Then. <laughs> right. You're gonna love. You're gonna love 
You're going to love yeah. when the kingdom comes into its fullness then because yeah. that's exactly where we're going. Yeah. And, and for Paul, uh, the new, he, as he's now taking the gospel into Europe, mm-hmm. this was one of the themes he continually pushed forward, oh, yeah. that you are living temples of God, and this, therefore, should affect your vocation, yeah. how you teach school, how you build bridges, yeah. how you do what you do. Yeah. It should affect how you live your life. A lot, of, a lot of the European Christians were like, well, I'm saved. It doesn't matter how I live. Yeah, I can do whatever I want to do. And Paul's like, no, you're a temple. Yeah. Let, let, let's read some of that language okay. that Paul wrote and, and really drive this into our hearts this morning. Paul said, because you're a temple, you have to view your body differently than before. It matters how you live. So he said this, 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that (laughs) temple. I don't know that language could be clearer than that. Yeah, no. It's so very specific. when a Christian says, I'm just going to live like a pagan, yeah. God says, no. Well, and, and Paul has a really specific example. We can look to a specific example in, the, again, the Corinthian church. Paul speaks directly to a group of men who want to go back and live the way that they, were, they used to live now that they've got fire insurance or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. They no longer go to hell because they believe in, in Jesus. And so now we can just do whatever we want. So they would go back to the, the pagan temples and they would conduct themselves in the pagan temples, whether it was eating the worship, uh, the meals with them, or it was um, being with the prostitute. Whatever the worship looked like, they were going to go back and do that. And he calls them out in 1 Corinthians uh, 6, 19 through 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were brought with a price, so glorify God in your bodies. And this is a, I mean, powerfully shaping, identity-forming idea all throughout the New Testament that we are now the body of Christ, both individually and collectively. The, the, the new believers saw themselves as a place where heaven and earth overlapped. We are God's temples. And so when God launches the kingdom of heaven here on earth, uh, it, it's, it's not like a, a kingdom like we think of, where there's a, you know, a throne uh, or like a big palace in the middle of, of a, a local place. Instead, right. it happens in each one of us who are citizens of heaven. And we become little hot spots as we go forward colonizing, we've used that word before, I love yep. it, colonizing the earth on behalf of his kingdom by proclaiming the gospel and making disciples. You're, you're crushing it right now. So why Jesus taught us to pray yeah. the way he taught us to pray. Absolutely. Your, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and, and the implications are, if I'm praying, God, your will be done, that I'm submitting to that will personally, right. Lord, your kingdom come. If it hasn't arrived in me, yeah. then how in the world is it going to ever, it won't ever move overtake planet earth? That's right. It has to start individually. So it's a very personal thing yes. first. I become a temple. And then I'm like that temple hotspot where other people can yeah. connect with God. And now we're really connecting back to Genesis 1 and 2, yes. our true vocation. Yes. yes. God is fulfilling his promise to bless all nations of the earth. Right. Through Jesus, through the family of Abraham. Through faith. That's right. Believers around the world this morning are temples of God. Yep. Yeah. And we're to now carry out our true vocation as temples 
of God. Let, let, me, let me put this question to the congregation. It's something that we talked about um, as we were preparing, uh, talking about kingdom. And, uh, and again, I want to just preface. The, the earth hasn't got its resurrection yet. No, we're not fully there yet. Jesus has. Yes. Even we haven't got our resurrection yet. We will, and we know we will because he got his, and that's our hope, that our loved ones are going to be in a body again here on planet Earth. And again, the Bible's not telling the story that we're flying away to heaven to live with Jesus forever. There is a heaven. Our loved ones are there right now if they've died in Christ. But the goal is planet Earth, where a kingdom is going to be fully realized through the whole Earth people in resurrection bodies, and a planet that's experienced a resurrection. Now, here's my question. I think while that language may be a bit shocking to some, uh, I think most Christians realize there is a kingdom coming. Mm -hmm. They look to it in a future sense. What are you going to be doing in that kingdom? Surely you've thought about, okay... After I die, I get a resurrection, and I'm a part of the kingdom of God. And hopefully it's not just being on clouds anymore. Hopefully we've dispensed with that. You're going to have function and role. What are you going to be doing? Yeah. Now, again, there's not like whole books in the Bible that explain this. But let your imagination run wild just for a minute. What are you going to be doing? I can tell you... Some things you won't be doing. <laughs> yeah. And idleness. Yeah. You, and boredom. No, certainly will not be among them. And cloud riding, naked no, butt, no, heart no. playing, and us baby angel. Out for a thousand years. That's, that's not, not what the Bible's describing. There's a vocation. Yeah. There's something to do. What will you be doing in the kingdom of God? Yeah. Now, now here's what I want to challenge you with. However you answer that question... That's what you're supposed to be doing right now. Yeah, that's really good. If you say, well, when Jesus makes it all right, then then I'm going to. However you would answer that, that's what we should be doing tomorrow. Right. That's the way we should be viewing our lives. And let me see if I can help with the language a little bit. And I know we don't have that resurrected body. I know the planet Earth hadn't got its right. But when you say... I'm going to, you know, all the injustices will be set right. Well, then why aren't we trying to address them right now? Exactly. If inequality exists, let's address it. Let's speak out about it. Yeah. If slavery is wrong, let's decry slavery and say it's wrong. And do something to do and do something about that. Then absolutely. So the Bible's almost making it sound like we should be activists for the kingdom of God. Absolutely. That's a part of that idea of colonizing. We're not just supposed to lay back and say, okay, well, the kingdom is going to go forward because it is. We're supposed to be active agents in that. If we're going to build a better future in the kingdom of God, then why aren't we trying to build a better future right right now? Yeah. Because I think that's what the Beatitudes are trying to teach us. Hmm. They're trying to teach us we should be loving our neighbor like Monday, Tuesday, like now, right now. Not a thousand years from now when God comes. We should be loving our neighbor now. And our neighbor is anyone God puts in our path. That's what he told us in in, in the story. So our vocation is to live out right now as if we were in the kingdom of God. (laughs) Because we are in the kingdom of God. God. We are in the kingdom of God. It's here right now. Our vocation is to live as if the kingdom of God 
were actually coming on this earth. Yeah. Whoops, it already, it already arrived. <laughs> That's what Jesus is teaching in Matthew, yeah. Mark, Luke, and John. Our vocation is to live our lives as if the new creation has already begun. Whoops, it has. It has. Because when Jesus showed up in a resurrection body, he's the first fruits yeah. of the new creation. And I have to say it out loud because it helps even condition my thinking and all the hearers' thinking. But our vocation is to live as if Jesus already reigned. Because he does. <laughs> yeah. And that's a hard leap yeah. for us. He already reigns. Because it's not happening like we'll see it in the Revelation. But it's right? playing out according that's to right. his foreknowledge and, and, Absolutely. and will. Yeah. It's going to play out. He is in charge. Yeah. The resurrection shows he's now alive Agreed. and in charge. So a lot of people are like, well, I, I think now my role is just to attend church and be polite. I mean, that's kind of modern Christianity, sure. isn't it? I attend church once a month, maybe uh, twice. Yeah, I think that's the if new study. If you're a fanatic. Right. That's the new study. That's and be the best. nice. Just be a nice person. And that's what modern Christianity is. Yeah. But it's, it's more than that. Yeah. It's to view yourself as a temple of the living God hmm. and let that understanding drive new behaviors. Yeah. Use your words again. Uh, Changing your mental maps. Mental map. Paradigm okay. shift. Think differently. Think differently. We're living temples. Yeah. We have a calling, a mission. We're using the word vocation. You yeah. have a holy vocation. Mm -hmm. And so this week, just again, you have to hear a thing multiple times. Yeah. And let's set ourselves up for, for next week's conversation. Heaven invades earth next week yeah. a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about what Jesus talked about. Yeah. If, we were, if we were to say what Jesus said, there's one recurring message. Over and over and over again. We'll talk about that next yeah. week. And if you want to head start on next week, while wow, Matthew, uh, Mark, or Luke would be the best three choices. Yeah. Uh, John uses a little different language because he's telling slightly different angle on the story. Mm -hmm. But if you were to read Matthew, Mark, or Luke this week, yeah. Mark's the shortest, so a lot of you are going to pick Mark, 16 yeah. chapters. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> Matthew's longer and Luke's a little longer. But either way, pick one of those three. Read with a highlighter or a pencil or a, 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 a matte pencil or something. Yeah. And as you're reading one of those Gospels, Every time you find the word kingdom, kingdom mm -hmm. mark it, highlight it. That's an exercise for this week. Yeah. And we'll tell you what it all means next week. Okay. Our understanding is we are living temples. That should affect how I live this week. Let's pray and ask God to help us carry that out. You want to lead us in prayer, sure. David? Absolutely. We'll close. As soon as we close, children's links will go live. God bless you guys this week. Go ahead, David. Father, thank you so much uh, for this day and for this opportunity to open your word up and, and to examine from the beginning to the end the story of what you're trying to do within us. And you're trying to show us and teach us and train us in a new way and, and change our minds to see ourselves not as just mere humans or just as, you know, crummy, dirty earth or whatever. Rather, we're a special place, a temple where your presence can dwell and where your will can be done. So that's our prayer this week, Father, that you, your presence would dwell within us richly this week, that we would dive into your word and see what you would have for us and what type of people we should become as we read through the Gospels this week, as we picture and model Jesus. 
and then further what your will is in our lives specifically as we call forward heaven's values, characteristics, and actions into our own bodies and lives and then out into the world. Father, be with us this week. May your Holy Spirit reign and rest on us. Give us peace and comfort as we, as we go out um, to work, job, family, whatever we have. And we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.